Drug addiction continues to plague all communities, small and large. And Davis County and Holmesboro are no exception. In this two-part series, we're going to explore addiction from three angles. The recovering heroin addict, the local treatment director, and the needle exchange program that was implemented this year in Davis County. So stay with us. This is Inquiry. From the Mr. Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. This is part one of our Fighting Addiction series. You'll first hear from a young recovering heroin addict who I met at an Owensboro halfway house called Friends of Sinners. You'll also hear from its director and how the facility is trying to help all drug and alcohol addicts regain their lives. My name is Dakota Daddy. I'm 21 years old and I'm from Washington, Indiana. Uh, I think uh, the whole drug use thing started I was about nine years old, and it began with marijuana, and uh, then progressed to like drinking, and then uh, I experimented with pills a lot, but I didn't really uh, buy into opiates or heroin and things like that until I was about 12 or 13, and I don't want to say it was on accident, because I didn't really, uh, you know, nobody ever was like, man, I want to do heroin, but uh first time I read it, I thought it was a pain pill, and then uh, I snorted it, and then they told me what it really was, and then it was just a lot of, uh, it was mainly uh, in and out of drug use, and then uh, I caught my first charge as soon as I turned 18, but I got arrested and didn't take it serious about anything about that, but uh, I started taking it serious, I caught my last charge, I was 19, and uh we got an auto theft because I was under the influence. And then my grandma talked me into doing the, the whole rehab thing, if you will. And then uh, she uh, went, took me to one rehab, and I was in the waiting room, and I actually met uh, a judge up here that got me bed at Bulware, and that didn't work out, so I came here. So the heroin, did you ever use Did you ever shoot it up? or? Anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how long were you using the heroin? From, I think it was consistent, steady from probably uh, 15, early 15, late 14, until I caught the last charge when I was 19. So how, how addictive was the heroin to you? It was uh, incredibly, like it's really just hard to explain, like if you're not, if you're not high, then you're sick. It's a, you're it's just like a, a never-ending battle, a losing battle. Were you ever worried? Because there are, you know, a lot of deaths that are attributed to the heroin use. So yeah, ever... I've uh, throughout my time in drug addiction, I've overdosed probably five or six times. You know, having to be resuscitated and, and stuff like that. But that's the thing about heroin. Uh, I'm not really familiar from up here, but from where I'm from, it's getting stronger and it's getting cheaper. And it, uh, it's definitely killing people. And so, how, obviously, uh, did you go through withdrawal? Oh, yeah. What was the withdrawal like? Oh, gosh. Uh, probably the closest thing to death that I could imagine, just with the. Uh, it, when you can't sleep, it's not very long. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Your uh, the sweats, the shakes, 
you're sick all the time. It's just a. Uh, I don't know. Like I wasn't thinking about none of that, none of that part whenever I started using consistently, but then it got to the point where uh, I almost didn't have a choice. Cause uh, I don't know. It sounds weird saying that, but it's like if I wasn't high, then then I was sick, and the the, the withdrawal and the, the sickness is just it's unbearable. So where did you find yourself? The homeless or uh, yeah, places that. Wake up in places that maybe didn't know how you got there? Yeah, I've definitely uh, nodded off somewhere and then woke up somewhere else and didn't know how I got there. And I've been uh, homeless to the point of sleeping on park benches and, and stuff like that, but I was okay with it as long as I had, a, I had a bag in my pocket and a needle to use it. And so when did you come to, to Friends of Sinners here? Uh, the first time I came here was October 18th, I believe, uh, 2017. I'm pretty sure. So this is your second time around? Uh, well, kind of. Third. I got kicked out one time, but it was a misunderstanding, I guess, if you'd say. And then uh, last time I got kicked out, and I started drinking again, and then it progressed... Uh, Within a couple of weeks, I was uh, interventionally using heroin again. And was that was that here in Owensboro? Yeah. And so, how easy was it for you to to obtain? Well, most of the time, I would go back to where I was from, and I would just get uh, large amounts. But I, the few times I got it in Owensboro, it was it, it was very easy. Like it surprised me. It wasn't. I asked. Uh, one person that I had met when I first got here, and then he, he didn't know he knew someone else, and then it was just like that. And then how much would you usually pay, how much would you pay and how much would you get at a time? Uh, I mean, it, it kind of varies on uh, like just how much money I had and stuff like that, but uh, it's usually uh, $20 for a point, uh, which is one-tenth of a gram, and then uh, but where I'm from, it's uh, thirty-five, forty. You know, that's why it's getting it's getting a lot stronger with the fentanyl and stuff like that. And then uh, the prices. When he told me that it was twenty dollars, I was like, oh wow. And then the more you buy, the cheaper it is. You buy it in quantity and stuff like that, you'll get deals. The needle exchange uh, program. Did they have such a thing there where you were from? No, I don't think so. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Not, not a hundred percent. Okay, it's where the it's where the health department actually gives gives out free needles to. Oh yeah. To I guess people who you know whatever drug they're shooting up or whatever, um, and they do that uh, to uh, to prevent needle exchange. Did you did you ever call recall ever using somebody else's needle that was already used? Oh yeah. Uh, for uh, for me and uh, the people that I was hanging out with, that was a normal thing. Like, it was almost uh, like second nature. Like you wouldn't even think you would just uh, after you were finished, you would just hand hand it to the next guy. And you guys weren't worried about it. Maybe this one guy had hepatitis, or the other guy had HIV, or something like that. No, I actually uh, got hepatitis C from that, but uh. When you're in 
the heat of the moment, if you want to say, you're not thinking about none of that. The only thing on your mind is is getting high, you know. And so, um, how long have you been in here just this third time? About a month and a half. Almost a month and a half. And so were you, were you court ordered to be here? Yeah. How do you think, how do you think you're doing? I'd like to think that I'm doing pretty good. I mean, uh, doing what I'm supposed to do for the most part. I'm working, staying sober, following God, uh, trying to just keep my nose to the pavement, you know, trying not to think too much. Are you, whenever you're done with the treatment, are you, are you going to stick around or are you going to go back home? Because I know they talk about part of getting away from your people, places, and things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to move up here. I got a fiancé up here that I met when I first got up here. And so how do you look at your future right now? Well, honestly, right now I try not to think too much into the future. I try and focus on, like, uh, the here and the now. You know, take it one day at a time. But I'd like to say uh, if I can just continue to follow God and uh, stay plugged into the program and uh, surround myself with the positive people and positive places and do positive things like that, I think my future will be pretty good. My name is Joe Welsh. I'm the executive director of Friends of Sinners. Uh, Friends of Sinners is a local nonprofit organization. We were a long-term inpatient substance abuse program. So we're, we're an 18-month program uh, for men and women. Um, our mission is the restoration of men and women to Christ through biblical truth, relationship, and accountability. So we focus on three things. Truth, the truth being God's word. That's our curriculum. That's what we use. Um, that's what we teach. Um, that's what we live. That's what we breathe. The second part of that is relationship, which I think is is key in our success. Is um, our clients here aren't just clients; they they become part of our family and become part of Friends of Sinners family. We really invest in relationships, um, knowing that without those relationships, we're not able to make a difference in their life. We're not able to help them overcome their drug addiction or anything else that they struggle with if we don't have relationships first. So relationships are key for us. And the third part is accountability. And in any type of recovery program, accountability is huge. So um, we, we have a very high level of accountability um, in a few different ways. Um, the first way is we, we not only address drug and alcohol addiction and those behaviors, but we address sin. And because we address sin, our accountability is really high. And the second part of that is we um, we believe in, in drug testing as a tool, as a form of accountability, and we drug test our clients three times a week. Um, some, some people think that's a little much or that's overkill, but it literally, um, I have <clears throat> examples that I could share where if you give a guy four days uh, in between a drug test, um, the urge to, to use drugs is so strong at times. The mental obsession is so strong at times that guys will try. And so at this point, like we drug test three times a week in, in hopes that we don't give them 
Uh, we don't give them a period of time where they feel like they can get by. And, and so we remove that, any opportunity for them to, to um, beat us or get by on a test. And the third part of that accountability is our drug testing is really, really, really good in that every test goes to the laboratory and we, we test for all, all of your regular drugs, methamphetamine, marijuana, alcohol, opiates, barbiturates, cocaine. We test for all those things, but we also test for um, synthetic drugs, for kratom. Um, we have guys who, who fail drug tests for cough medicine. So if someone is abusing cough medicine, I will know they're abusing cough medicine. So our drug testing is really good, and that's another form of accountability. So three things we do well are, are truth, relationship, and accountability. So Joe, what is the most common drug that you see right now? Um, well, there's, there's two answers to that question. Still in, in Davis County, in our community, methamphetamine is the number one um, choice of drug users. Um, and, and I think um, I think recently in the past we kind of that that number was going down but I think today currently methamphetamine is so um, available and so cheap that the, that number is rising again so we're seeing a rise in methamphetamine again um, and the second uh, answer to that is opiates so um, we we have a huge pain pill problem in our community um, and so those are the two main drugs that we, we most often see. Um, third on that list would probably be alcohol. Talk about what you're seeing in the, in the lines of the heroin issue and what do you think about uh, the needle exchange program? Was it necessary? Sure. Um, so heroin in our community. So 10 years ago, in 2010, it was basically non-existent. There wasn't, um, if you saw heroin in Davis County, Kentucky, um, you were you were the one in a million who saw it. It just wasn't here. So over the past um, several years, um, we have saw an increase in that. So uh, for whatever reason, heroin has, um, has became more available in our community. And so we are seeing those people who come in and um, most of them are, are opiate addicts who have started off with pain pills and the natural progression for an opiate addict leads to heroin. So because heroin is uh, cheaper than pain pills, um, it's, it's an obvious um, progression for, for someone who's a, um, addicted to opiates is, well, if I can't afford pain pills, then I can afford $10 worth of heroin. So. I think you know the the heroin crisis that we're seeing, or the heroin problem that we're seeing in in Owensboro is comes from um, two things. Comes from first the the state and the laws have done a, a lot better job uh, with doctors and prescriptions and putting things in place to um, stop the opioid opioid epidemic. Um, but because of that thing, I think um, drug dealers and those who supply these drugs, you know, have have seen that there's a need for 
Um, there's people who need opiates, and because of that, they've made heroin available in our in our community. Um, the needle exchange, I, I kind of have uh, mixed feelings on. Uh, one, you know, I've heard the the argument of, you know, if someone um, needs insulin, how come they don't get free needles in? And it's a valid argument. I think anyone who needs insulin and doesn't have a needle should should get a, a needle for that also. But I think they don't understand those arguments. They're not they're not understanding that <clears throat> this is really a tool for our community um, to control the spread of, of of diseases. And mainly, and the one that I see most frequently in in Davis County is hepatitis C. And um, I, I would say. Close to a third of our clients um, have um, been been diagnosed with hepatitis C, and they've um, and they've been uh, they've got that through sharing needles with other people. And uh, I, I don't think that the hepatitis C that we've seen is um, due to the this huge heroin problem in our community as much as it is to the methamphetamine problem. So most of the people who I see have hepatitis C. Are methamphetamine users and they've shared they've shared needles but because heroin is here and it's here to stay you know um, those people who are opioid addicts are at a higher risk for hepatitis C and and um, there's already a, a huge number of the addicted population in our community who are infected with hepatitis C and without this needle exchange it's only going to get worse and 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 that um, you know, the, the the bigger issue with that is I see guys come in, they try to overcome their drug addiction and they're trying to change their life. And, and now not only are they faced with that mountain to climb, but they're faced with all these physical problems that come from having hepatitis C. Um, and they're forced to um, make some hard choices about get going through this treatment of, of you know, I'm not sure the exact details of the hepatitis C treatment, but I do know it's very expensive and it's hard to get and it's not fun. It's very painful and they experience a lot of symptoms and a lot of um, a lot of pain just from going through that treatment. So I just think it's another uh, it's another another obstacle in their way when when an, I think at some point in each one of these person's life, each person who's addicted to something, I think there comes a day when, when they're gonna walk in somewhere and they're gonna ask for help and they're gonna try to change their life. And, and um, you know, removing, if this can remove the obstacle uh, that's in their way of having pain while they're going through this, of having a disease that they have to, now they have to treat um, this disease of hepatitis C, I think it's it's beneficial for all of us to to offer um, a way um, a way out of that, so that you know they're not walking in in these treatment centers, and now we don't just have a drug addiction to solve, but we have this hepatitis C problem to solve. So I'm all for the free needle exchange, and I'm also all for um, anyone who needs a needle for insulin or whatever any other reason that they need it. I think um, you know I'm all for that too. So I'm not against. You know, I'm not I'm not the person who's saying it's it's fair for drug addicts. You know, I don't think it's it's fair that drug addicts get free needles and someone who has insulin can't afford it. I don't think that's fair. 
Um, so, I, you know, I, I look at this uh, as open-minded as I can, but I don't think, um, you know, the needle exchange is a bad thing. I think it's going to save our community from uh, another another problem, which is the spread of, uh, of diseases. So, How do you think people who have never been a part uh, of addiction or, or has had a loved one who suffered through addiction really understand what that's about and how difficult that is to overcome? No, I, I don't. I don't think uh, you know a, a common uh, you know the, a misconception of of people who are addicted to drugs is is well if you know they could stop if they wanted to stop they would just stop and I don't think people who've never been experienced understand that um, it's not it's not as easy as just stopping like in the recovery world they um, they use the phrase we no longer have a choice. And, and I agree with that. Um, it is the closest thing to a curse um, that I've ever experienced in my own life. Meaning, um, I didn't wake up one day and, and decide I was gonna be a drug addict. I actually, uh, I didn't even wake up one day and start using street drugs. I was prescribed pain pills from a doctor and um, something happened in me chemically uh, you know I don't know if I have a chemical imbalance if this was a um, something that was always a part of me if it was my personality if it was a personality trait I don't know the answers to why but I, I do know that when um, when anyone puts a pain pill or any other type of uh, strong narcotic in their body um, there's a chance that they're gonna they're gonna become addicted to it, and I think it's a flip of the coin. I think one person could try it, and and they could stop the next day, and I think the the next person could try it, and they're addicted to it. I don't think um, people understand how strong um, the grip of addiction is, and it, these people aren't bad people. Um, they want to be. A parent. They want to be a good parent. They want to be a good son or a good daughter or a good husband or a good wife. Um, they're not bad people who leave their kids and get their t kids taken away and say, "I don't, you know, I just don't want to be a mother anymore." Like these mothers are, their hearts are broken because they've lost their kids, but they have absolutely no control over the situation until some someone or something intervenes. And typically, in my experience, what has to happen is person has to go to jail or go to treatment they have to be protected from themselves meaning I need to go somewhere safe where I don't have a choice to, to to put this in my body again I don't have the choice of putting this substance in in me because um, quite frankly uh, it was it was an uncontrollable urge for me when, when I was addicted to opiates, when I was addicted to pain pills, I really woke up every day and it was uncontrol uncontrollable urge that I had to uh, find another pill. And I was a good person and um, I wasn't a bad guy. I didn't uh, set out to become a drug addict. I wasn't, um, I wanted to stop. How long have you been clean? I've been clean almost 10 years. March the 10th, 2010 yeah so nine years nine years I'm losing 
I'm ahead of myself. Nine years um, this week. Yep, nine years this week. If you or someone you love is battling addiction, you can call Friends of Sinners at 270-689-9174 or you can visit their website, friendofcenter.org for more information. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Friends of Sinners Executive Director Joe Welsh and especially Dakota for sharing his story. To send us questions or to provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website and iTunes where you can subscribe. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire. Thank you.